You're listening to Artists and Hackers, a podcast in art, code, and community, and the new digital tools of creation. We talk to programmers, artists, poets, musicians, bot makers, researchers, educators, and designers in an effort to critically look at online art making and the history of technology and the internet. We're interested in where we've been and speculative ideas on the future. I'm your host, Lee Tussman. Twine is a tool for creating branching narratives, or what some people call choose-your-own-adventure games. Originally created in 2009, Twine allows creators to make interactive stories, poems, text games, or experimental prose. It's free and open-source software that runs in a web browser or is downloaded as an application. And while most Twine projects are text-only, you can feature sound and images as well. At this point, there's tens of thousands of games, artworks, and projects made with Twine, and these are presented on websites, shared on game distribution platform itch.io, or even shown in museums like the Whitney Museum of American Art. Originally created by Chris Clemus in 2009, it's been extended in many different directions with themes and example code and is really easy to get started. Where other interactive fiction software is created solely with text and code, Twine features a visual design tool that feels as easy as creating an email. I sat down with Twine's creator, Chris Clemus, to find out more about its history and current development and community. I was just always writing stories, coming up with ideas and stuff like that, all through sort of pretty much as long as I can remember, really. Um, and so specifically, I think there was a particular thread in my own development, I guess, um, where I got really interested in text adventures, like the kind of games that were built by Infocom, where you would sort of describe a world, you would type in what your character would do next, and it would respond to you and stuff like that. And how did that come together where you decided to create Twine originally? So Twine was really like one experiment among like five or six at least. Um, it was sort of, it stemmed from, I had been, I, at that point I had been uh, creating a couple text adventures myself, released them on the internet. And I just found after a while, like I couldn't put my finger on why, but I found that the particular affordances of text adventures, this idea of like you type in a command and you pick things up and you move them around and stuff like that, that part wasn't really working for me creatively. There's nothing wrong with that medium and that kind of game at all, um, but it wasn't really something that it wasn't clicking for me anymore. And so I knew whatever, I, I still wanted to continue to work with text, but I didn't know exactly what it was, <laughs> what form. I wanted that to be in. And so I, I tried a bunch of different things. The thing that kind of clicked for me was a piece of software called TiddlyWiki, which was a very strange idea. It was the idea of a web page that you would download to your computer that uh, you open up your browser and you click a save button inside that web page and it would change. It would save that change to your computer, which is like not how web browsers are supposed to work at all, right? Like that's a security issue. You can't do it anymore, but you could back then. And the nice thing about it was it was basically let you build these organic kind of story structures 
And I really like that aspect of it, the part that leaned a little bit harder into the storytelling and a little bit less into the game mechanics aspect of it. Because that's what I think I was trying to figure out was I was trying to figure out, I want to tell a story, not so much I want to build an interactive game, at least at that point. Um, I really wanted to tell a story. I wanted it to be interactive in some shape or form, but I not maybe as like mechanic heavy as like a quote unquote video game or something like that. Anyways, um, I really liked working with TiddlyWiki, but I found it sort of tricky at the same time it was sort of like designing like a labyrinth while you're inside of it like it's really easy to get lost <laughs> and forget like where was that passage a piece of text that i wrote like over there like you have to click around and find it i mean there's a search in, or there was a search in there but even so it was confusing and so i was trying to think, think of ways to make that process easier for myself and so uh, there were a couple of iterations before twine with, that were just plain um, plain text and kind of followed a traditional like compiler kind of um, metaphor. That, those were good, but it didn't really quite 100% hit the mark, I think. Um, it was really building Twine um, and taking it into this, you know, graphical interface. I really want to emphasize it was really a process of experimentation to even make the tool. And I was not convinced even necessarily when like version one happened that I had figured it all out. Um, I guess that's the nature of open source and all those kinds of things anyway. But um, it was just, to me, like a, an experiment. Yeah, so you just mentioned Twine's in open source. And I guess I'm thinking a little bit as an ecosystem of software. Can you say a little bit about what that entails and the community that works on it now? So there's a small nucleus, I would say, of people who work on Twine and Twine-adjacent things. The thing, one thing about the technical design of Twine that's not necessarily immediately apparent is that the uh, editor is very strongly decoupled uh, from the ver what plays your game when you open it in a web browser, when you hit the play button. Those are two completely different pieces of software. And when F F Twine first kind of started out, I worked on both sides of that equation, the editor and the runtime. Um, and what kind of emerged over time was that I just, I didn't have the space and time to, to really maintain both of those sides. And so other people in the community have stepped up and built the, built additional runtimes um, for Twine. Um, we call them story formats, but they're basically just sort of, they're kind of like mini engines, mini game engines almost, because they all represent different, um, you know, different ways of building a game. They're all, we're all, they're all centered around the idea of hypertext, but how they approach that varies quite a lot. Um, and so that's sort of the next sort of layer outward of the onion, as it were. And of course, there's a whole other huge community of people, like there's a subreddit, there's a Discord. There are all kinds of communities, online communities that kind of are dedicated to Twine, um, both like helping people out when they're offering, but also playing games and talking about them and stuff like that. I think I first learned about Twine from Anna Anthropy's book, Rise of the Video Game Zinesters. And I'm curious if you have suggestions for other um, resources for people that want to um, learn how to use Twine and make uh, their own games or their own stories, actually. And maybe that's a good question, too. Do you prefer the word? Sounds like, like, what do you just, how do you describe what's made with Twine? I intentionally make it as confusing as possible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, um, I probably interchangeably call them games and stories. Uh, not really consciously, even. And so Depression Quest was right. built in Twine. Um, it's a really good game <laughs> and really worth playing. Um, but there was this sort of thread of uh, attack almost that said like, oh, Depression Quest isn't really a game. Um, because anybody, like that was the most uh, appalling part, or, or I don't even know what the word is for it, where people are saying like, oh, it's so easy to make a game with Twine. Like these aren't really games. Anybody can do it. I'm like, 
why are you saying this as, as if it's like a negative? <laughs> um, it was this idea of like, oh, making video games has to be hard. It has to be challenging. It has to be something that um, people with STEM backgrounds need to can only do and things like that, which I am completely opposed to. Can you say a little bit about the community that is using Twine to make games and stories and weird things? That's the funny part about being um, an open source creator, I would actually say. I have a, a window into that community. Um, for my own mental health, sometimes like I don't, I don't fully engage with that community and everybody in it. Um, cause it would be just, it's just overwhelming. Everybody tends to have an opinion about what Twine does right, what it does wrong, how it should be improved and stuff like that. And there's only so much you can kind of do, I feel like, or can, can handle. Um, because it's just, it's really easy to take it personally. It's really easy when people are unhappy with Twine to be like, oh, I did a bad job. They don't like me. Um, or, you know, Twine crashes and they lose all their work. Like that's heartbreaking. Um, and so I have to keep a little bit of a distance. And so, and just in general, that's the, the, I think that's just the nature of the beast is there's only a certain part of it that I'm really witness to. Like I sit on the discord or in a discord anyway, and I, I kind of listen in on discussions. I don't really participate that much. Same thing with the subreddit and so forth. And so like the funny part to me is like, I'm really actually, I feel like when people ask me, tell me about the community, I feel like I'm not necessarily that well equipped or well, um, I don't, I don't have that much ground to stand on um, because I see this little part of it that I think, and I think there are parts of it that I'm just not even aware of. And, and so like to try to characterize it is really, really hard. <laughs> um, but it's really, I guess the thing in general, the, the patterns I see are that there are, it is for sure made up of quite a lot of people who are first getting started making games um, or working with interactive things, building interactive things. Um, and they all have, at least a lot of the people that I've encountered have really big visions of things they want to build. And so it can be frustrating for them when it's not easy to fulfill that that vision. It can also be really, really satisfying when they figure it out or when it does sort of meet their needs and they're able to kind of carry this stuff out. But like to say like what kinds of games they like that people make, what kind of stories and stuff like that, that's really hard <laughs> because it's not exactly a medium unto itself, but it is a pretty blank canvas you know, one version of Twine that runs in the browser is at twinery.org. And one of the things that's great about going there is not only can you just jump into and start using Twine and there's documentation and, and links to resources, but there's always a random sampling of stories and games um, that have been made with Twine. So right now I'm looking on the front page and there's Death by PowerPoint by Jack Welch. <laughs> Animalia by Ian Michael Waddell, Horizon Chapter One by Story Smash, and Fabricationist DeWitt Remakes the World by Jedediah Berry. And I, I love that each time I kind of reload this page or, or visit, there'll be different things up there to check out. Yeah, it, those listings come from uh, a free resource called the Interactive Fiction Database. And folks can list their own works there. Um, and so it just pulls a sprinkling of stuff, um, a sprinkling of, of games that were built from uh, with Twine there. So Twine's been around since 2009. Here it is, 2022. Any thoughts on Twine's future or long-term goals? Yeah, I think that there are a couple of gaps that exist with Twine. This is the hard part, <laughs> is that um, because working on Twine isn't my full-time job, my biggest constraint, I suppose my biggest constraint is money. Because <laughs> um, although I have a Patreon, I don't like pull down a salary per se or anything like that. But I feel like my biggest constraint is actually time. And so it's kind of a little, it's just tough because I, I think about things that 
I would like to do with twine. Um, but then I think, wow, that's going to take probably years to actually accomplish. And so it can be kind of daunting. Like the biggest things that I'd like twine to expand on are its ability to, or the ability for people to collaborate using it because it came from the world of 2009 and the world where the cloud is, it definitely existed in 2009, but it's not so such a dominant paradigm, I guess. Um, but that's for sure a big need that people ask for. A big thing that people ask for is to, like, they want to be able to collaborate. It just makes sense, right? Video game making in particular is a really collaborative thing. Like, it's very rare that people make games entirely by themselves. But obviously it does happen, but it's not the usual case. Um, and so, like, that's, that's that's the technical stuff that I think of as, like, what is the future of Twine? Where, where should it go? And things like that. Um, but apart from that, I think it is, I'm hoping, I guess. It's hard for it. It seems like not really my place to pronounce it this way, but I I think that it it feels like Twine is migrating or moving into direction where it is sort of the uh, I wouldn't say default, but it is sort of like when people say I want to build an interactive story, a text based story, it is kind of like the a an obvious choice. I guess that's maybe my humble way to put it. <laughs> uh, it's the obvious choice for making a. a an interactive story, a text-based story. And that doesn't mean that it's the best choice and the most um, full-featured or anything like that, but it's a good starting place. I guess that's even a better way to put it, is that it can be a good starting place for people. And that, I think that's something that won't change. I think that seems to be like an a, a enduring thing or during enduring aspect about Twine. You're listening to Artists and Hackers Art Tools. Our guest today is Chris Klemis, the original creator of Twine, a web-based and downloadable tool for creating branching narratives, text adventures, and more. We have a transcript of this episode, links to Twine resources, and all of our past episodes at artisanhackers.org. Our audio engineer is Max Ludlow, designed by Caleb Stone. My name is Lee Tussman. Our audio for this episode is Helicopter by Meter, High Rise by Zila Zico, and Creepers by Shaolin Dub. We're on Twitter at Artist Hacking, Instagram at Artists and Hackers, and we have a newsletter, RSS feed, and more resources all on our website, artistsandhackers.org. Stay tuned for season two, presented with the Engelberg Center on Innovation Law and Policy where we go deep into the ecosystem of how arts, culture, and technology products are created and shared, looking at things like how the law supports or limits ideas of collective ownership, and how creators try to hack it. We look at things like creative commons, public domain, fair use, and use labels. If you like this episode, please let a friend know, and we'd appreciate if you could leave a review on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks.